0: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
2: We can
3: see that illuminated sign that marks the end of the journey.
2: This vaccine will help us to get past this pandemic once and for all.
1: We need people to have faith that this vaccine is safe and that they should take it. The thing that's going to stop us from seeing the end of this pandemic are people going, oh, I'm not so sure.
2: Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Sebastian Salik.
3: Very good afternoon. I'm Roger Hearing. Now we begin, of course, with the virus, as the UK suffered its worst day of the pandemic so far. Yesterday, more than 1,800 Daily deaths were announced, with the Chief Scientific Advisor Patrick Vallance warning that some hospitals now look like a war zone.
2: And at the same time, the government has said that schools in England will be given two weeks' notice before reopening. The Education Secretary, Gavin Williamson, hasn't been able to put a time on it yet. Not an easy thing to do in this situation. But his comments suggest, though, that pupils will be told in a week's time if they're going back after the February half-term. The Children's Commissioner for England, Anne Longfield, says certain steps need to be followed to help speed up the process. There are mitigating factors that can be in place that schools have shown
0: where they can uh, reduce and retain those infections so they actually become safe places. Now, testing is one of those, but also vaccinations for teachers too.
3: Anne Longfield their Children's Commissioner for England. Well, I'm very pleased to say joining us today is Steve McCabe, Labour MP for Birmingham, Selly Oak. Steve, welcome to the programme and thank you for being with us. First, let's just pick up on that schools issue because it is clearly one that matters to an awful lot of people. How do you think the handling of the reopening of schools is going and how do you think the whole schools issue is being handled?
4: Well, I'm sorry to say, I think it's been marked by uh, massive confusion Uh, I I accept that this is difficult but, uh, you know, first of all we were keeping schools open at all costs, then at the last minute we were closing schools the government was threatening to take a local authority to court for wanting to close schools then they were ordering them to close so I I think it's been very confusing and uh, I'm not sure that I understand the Secretary of State's comment because I thought his last statement was that the decision would be made during half term. So, how he can give a week, two weeks uh, notice, uh, and still make the decision during half term? I'm not quite sure. I don't, I, I don't know if he's done his, his arithmetic on that yet. But uh, I mean, I guess the simple answer is we've got to, if we're going to try and keep schools open, which I agree with in terms of the benefit for children
2: and we've got to step up the vaccination program for teachers. Uh, yeah, I mean so th- this is the thing and it goes into the debate that we've had many times on the program Steve about where people fall in the pecking order where would you put teachers in the order of of people to be vaccinated.
4: Well look I think again I accept this is difficult there are all sorts of priority workers you know health workers police officers uh, lots of people coming into contact with transport workers, you know, lots coming into contact with the public. But it seemed to me if the the decision is that it's a priority to keep schools open, then I would say teachers must come pretty near the top of uh, key workers, possibly after NHS staff.
3: I mean, let's just have a think about where we are in this crisis, because we seem to be potentially in its early days moving towards a decline. There does seem to be a drop in the number of daily cases, at least obviously uh, not a drop in the number of deaths. But that, as we know, is a lagging indicator. What would you say the government should be doing now in terms of how they steer the ship in these circumstances?
4: Well, I don't know what advice they're getting right at this minute, but if the advice is that the existing lockdown conditions have too many gaps in them, and that is the reason uh, for the continuing spread, then they should, if there is any need to tighten the lockdown, they should do it immediately. I think the problem throughout uh, for this country has been that we've been too slow to take decisions, uh, and that's reflected in the fact that we've got such an appalling uh, death rate.
2: And I mean, realistically, Steve, when do you see us coming out of this this lot of restrictions? I mean, there's been talk around a review in February, and some speculation beyond then. Uh, what would be your take?
4: Well, I mean, it's very difficult to call. And obviously, I don't uh, get you know access to the advice that ministers get, but. My speculation would be we're probably more likely to be looking at April or
3: May. Yeah, so it's still a, a long, long haul. What about the border issue uh, in this, Stephen? Because um, the government has now closed the borders, in effect. Um, it, some people said that, that should have been something done a long way back. But is that the best way to tackle the threats from these new strains, potentially, of the virus? I mean, should there be these quarantine hotels they're talking about as well? What's the way forward on that?
4: Well, I mean, I think uh, I think closing the borders now is a, a bit like uh, closing the the stable door after the horse has bolted. As we say. I think that is far too late. Uh, you know, I think most of the the new variants or new strains that they talk about have already permeated this country, and that's probably reflected in the the continuing uh, high levels of transmission. Uh, I, I think quarantine hotels are a good idea, but you know, again, I think it's uh, it's it's actually a bit late. But I suppose, well, I suppose you'd have to say better late than never.
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tricky one sort of calling that balance between what is acceptable to the public and and what is not. Uh, And what about the financial aspects of this? I mean, we think from Bloomberg reporting that we're going to hear an update from the Chancellor at the March budget around job support. Currently, it is scheduled to run until April. What would you hope to hear in terms of support being offered? As you say, indeed, if this is to run for, for slightly longer than we expect?
4: Well, right at the beginning, the Chancellor uh, was characterised by the statement he made that he would do whatever it takes. And uh, my advice to him would be stick to that. Uh, You know, once this is over, we are going to need all those small businesses. We're going to need uh, uh, that hospitality sector. Uh, All of those things that are not able to operate, all of those things that are closed down at present, if he doesn't protect those people, if he doesn't protect their businesses, then they won't be there uh, when we come out of this. And as a consequence, the recovery will take much, much longer. Steve, I wanted
3: to focus in on on your constituents in Selly Oak, because you know it's good to get a sense of how a particular part of the country is dealing with this. I mean, first of all, just give us a sense, for example, of how the vaccination program is going there. Uh, is it going through as fast as it should? Are is every area being covered in the same sort of way? Is there equality?
4: Uh, no, I think the the short answer is it's lumpy. Uh, I mean, there has been. Uh, uh, great progress. Uh, uh, big uh, vaccination centres opening up. Uh, the issues seem to be twofold. Uh, one, there is a problem with supply, and that means that there, you know, there are places where they could deliver more vaccinations if they actually had the vaccine. Uh, and there is some confusion over things like uh, people who are housebound. They're getting letters directing them. To a, 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 one of the large centres and when they try to ask uh, for a home visit, uh, the local uh, doctor is saying, well, you know, I, I can't arrange that because this is a, a centrally directed programme. So, I mean, I think there are it, there are good aspects to it and we are actually seeing progress in uh, Uh, with the the over-80s and with care homes, and I think that is welcome. But, uh, you know, I I think the kind of propaganda image that it's been an outstanding success is, is probably a bit misleading, and it's certainly not reflected in the kind of emails and phone calls that I'm receiving from constituents.
2: And what about uh, compliance? This is something that the government was quite uh, loud about a couple of weeks back when they thought it was affecting um, virus transmission rates. What are you seeing in your constituency around whether people are actually following the rules?
4: I I think for the vast majority of people, they are trying to follow the rules. Uh, But I think the two problems that, that are occurring. And again, I'm seeing this in my constituency, but it's widespread. Um, I, I think one is people are suffering a bit from lockdown fatigue. Uh, and it, You know, it just gets harder for some people to maintain it. And also the rules have changed. So many times and back and forwards, there are probably some people who genuinely aren't entirely sure what the rules are anymore, including occasionally uh, government ministers, as we notice when they're interviewed.
3: Yes, I think, I think well, we're all perhaps guilty of not entirely perhaps always being on top of exactly what's intended. But one other brief point, though. I mean, what about business in your constituency? Because the Chancellor obviously thinking about what to do next. What would people in your constituency want him to do to help them carry on to get to the end?
4: Well, I think for the businesses that can't operate at all, so things like uh, service uh, business, and I'm thinking about things like uh, hairdressers, uh, people like that, uh, the whole hospitality sector, pubs, clubs, clubs, cafes, restaurants, and of course, uh, large numbers of people who are self-employed. Uh, I think what they need is financial support to, to keep them afloat. Uh,
0: mm-hmm.
4: Otherwise, as I say, I, you know, there is, uh, I saw some figures uh, recently that suggested like something like 75% of the hospitality sector uh, across Birmingham and the West Midlands could be entirely wiped out.
0: Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time.
2: Let's have a look at what else is making news in the world of politics. We start with the weather. Storm Christoph has dumped heavy rain across the UK, triggering dangerously high river levels in some areas. There are five severe warnings in northwest England and north Wales, meaning there's a risk to life, and homes have been evacuated. There are also more than 230 flood warnings across Britain. Boris Johnson has said the government is totally prepared for the dual crises of flooding and the pandemic, and that COVID-secure facilities are available for any people forced to evacuate, as a result of the weather but Roger cast your mind back to the very very early days of the Johnson administration and this was one of the first crises that Boris Johnson had to deal with of course the pandemic came along we have forgot all about it but he has had an experience of, of dealing with flooding once already.
3: It, it does seem like uh, everything is being thrown at us it has to be said and uh, those people stuck and uh, you know kind of leaving to leave their home is pretty dreadful and how on earth do you still maintain social distancing? Anyway yeah. uh, let's turn to the economic fallout from the pandemic. Bloomberg sources say the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, is drawing up plans to extend support for jobs in the months ahead. Now, the furlough programme that pays up to 80% of a workers' wages is due to end at the end of April. But sources say Sunak is considering an extension, possibly of that scheme. The exact form of the measures is expected to be announced in the budget, which is in March. And that's going to depend on how the pandemic evolves over the next
2: six weeks. Yeah, I mean, call me a cynic, but I feel like this is now being leaked at a stage when he could come in for criticism for not thinking about the next step. So uh, there we go. There may may be something in the works. And then it seems like much more help is needed. A new study finding that most people don't believe there are going to be jobs for them after the coronavirus crisis. That's pretty scary reading. Uh, This is according to the job site Indeed, and it finds that two fifths of people that they asked said they were not confident about searching and applying for work. To be honest, in this market, can you really blame them?
3: Yeah, and interesting. I think it's more women than men, and it's especially the (sighs) over-55s. Now, meanwhile, Germany is blocking British residents. British residents could face additional curbs on travelling to the EU, the German proposal circulated to the EU's national governments has been seen by Bloomberg, and while non-essential travel between the UK and the EU is already restricted, what Germany is proposing is that the EU adopts even tougher guidelines for travellers from high-risk areas, narrowing the list of essential workers and exempted from
2: restrictions. Well, there we go. We'll keep an eye on that and see if that sees the light of day. Uh, But let's get to these uh, public attitudes, see how things are going, see how the hospital uh, crisis is playing out versus the vaccine rollout, that eternal balance that we talk about so much at the moment. Joining us to do all of this is Chris Curtis, Senior Researcher at Opinium. Um, Chris, let's start with the research you've done around key workers. This sounds really interesting. Tell us about it.
1: So what we've done is we basically, you know, we're hearing so much. We're hearing a lot of people talking about key workers, the importance of the work that they're doing. What we thought we'd do is we'd go out and we'd speak to a sample of those key workers from across all of the different sectors to get their views, how they think things are going, the things they think are going wrong, and also in particular, the areas they think they need more support. So I think one of the key headlines of this is just how hard a lot of key workers have faced the the past 10 months or so. Uh, Nearly half told us that they found their job more stressful than normal, and even worse than that, 28%, so over a quarter of key workers – They've even considered quitting their job in the past ten
3: months. It's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, and what are the sectors we're talking about here? I mean, obviously, we know that people in healthcare are facing a massive issue, but it's much wider than that. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, healthcare is health and social
1: care is one of the areas where we're seeing sort of slightly worse numbers, slightly higher stress levels, slightly higher numbers um, considering quitting their job. Perhaps unsurprisingly. But also the other end of the, the, the another, another area which seems to, be, um, seems to be particularly struggling is retail. 32% of people in retail say that they've, um, they've, they've considered quitting their jobs. And obviously that's another sector of key workers. These are people who are still going to having to go and do their jobs. They're still having to travel to work, you know, risk catching coronavirus. Also, a lot of them tell us risk uh, giving coronavirus back to their families, something that they feel very nervous about. Mm. Um, and they don't think that they're getting enough support from their employers. They definitely don't think they're getting enough support from their government. And in particular, a lot of them tell us that they don't think they're getting enough support for their uh, for their mental health and well-being either and the impact that this has had um, on that.
2: So, So, Chris, they don't think they're getting enough support from the government. What do they think more widely about how the government is handling the whole situation?
1: Well, I think, actually, I mean, to be honest with you, one of the key themes is consistency between key workers and the rest of the public, in that a lot of them don't think the government is handling the coronavirus pandemic particularly well. And there's sort of one area in particular. They think the government is being a bit... Is doing too little and it's doing it too late. So the vast majority think that they're underreacting to the spread of coronavirus and also they think that they've acted too slow to stop the spread of the virus. And that's what we've seen consistently across all the polling, be that key workers, um, other workers or even those not in work at the moment. And they're not too impressed with the rest of us
3: either, are they? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> no yes yeah, so they they don't, they don't like the way um the way the government's responded, but also actually a lot of them are very upset with the public as well um We asked, do you think the public uh, are doing all they reasonably can to stop the spread of coronavirus, or should they really be doing more um you know following lockdown rules, strict or anything else and and about two thirds say that they think that uh that the public should be doing a lot more to help stop the spread of the virus so yeah they a lot want more support from their employer uh, Quite a few want more support from the government, but there's also a good chunk who think that the public should be supporting them more as well.
2: And then the flip side of that, what are the public saying about the state of rules at the moment? How do they feel about the enforcement of them?
1: In, in the time doing this, I think there was a Conservative MP who said uh, the other day that, uh, that that lockdown has been the most popular policy the Conservative Party has ever had. I'm not sure <laughs> if that's quite true, but the, but the general point being that we've seen throughout this crisis. You know, locking down. The, people, the public are very scared of coronavirus. They're very scared of it spreading. They're very scared of those scary graphs we see on the news every night. And therefore, they are happy with the government doing, or comfortable with the government, I should say, doing whatever it takes to stop that spread. That includes quite sort of heart, the harsh, draconian lockdown measures that we've seen put in place. They're particularly comfortable with that. If anything, they don't think that the measures that have been put in place have gone far enough.
3: And what about the other side of all this, Chris? Because, I mean, the vaccine rollout, the government's made this absolutely clear. It's their flagship thing. They're terribly pleased with the fact, as they should be, that we seem to be way ahead of a lot of other countries in doing it. But does that does that help the public? Are they impressed with the way the vaccine rollout's going?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about, sort of hinted at sort of some of the negatives there. The public don't think the government have done enough to sort of stop the spread of the virus. But there are some positives as well. There's still sort of quite high levels of approval for how the British government's handled the vaccine rollout. It's gone down slightly, but it's still very high. A lot more people say they approve of what the government's done than disapprove in that area. And also, um, that, that also goes for finances and the economy as well. A lot more people approve of the way the government, Rishi Sunak in particular, um, has managed to sort of prop up the economy, prop up wages, prop up jobs over the course of the pandemic.
2: And then looking Chris at sort of voting intentions in general you you had some good results for for labor recently.
1: Yes, yeah, so our most recent poll did have labor ahead four points so not a not a massive lead but you know when that's coming off the back of a pretty devastating general election I think for the party to be able to turn around their numbers so quickly uh should, should be seen as 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 a fairly impressive move it obviously comes off the back of a new labor leader a new labour leader who has sort of very good approval ratings um by sort of historical standards certainly a lot higher uh, than the prime minister so in our most recent poll the prime minister's approval ratings dropped to the lowest we've seen since the general election again i think off the back of a lot of people thinking he's acted he's done too little too late to stop the spread of the virus starmer's numbers are down they're down from his sort of last summer when we saw a lot higher numbers for him but they're still a lot higher than the Prime Ministers, and that's one of the reasons why there are some voters who are being turned off of the Conservative Party, and, and, and we're starting to see slightly, slightly, in some case, yeah, basically this neck-and-neck picture, but some leads for the Labour Party in the polls.
3: Yeah, and I mean, it, it's interesting. What about the other smaller parties in all this? Because uh, you, it, a lot of people are saying, we're actually rather back to an interesting situation, probably not seen since the 1950s, where the other parties really don't matter. It is a two-party world. No, I mean it's, it's 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 really bizarre to be honest. I mean, last year we saw what
1: was basically uh, for for a couple of months at least what what I think actually the closest we've ever seen to the two party system in the UK dying in in the European elections. I think what the Labour Party came third, the Conservative Party came fifth in a national election. Um, In some of the opinion polls following that, the Conservatives and Labour Party were in third and fourth place behind the Liberal Democrats and the Brexit Party. That's never happened in the history of my industry. But since then, we've basically reverted back to a two-party system again. You know, the two main parties between them are getting sort of over 80%, in some polls nearly 90% of the national vote share, which is, you know, incredibly high. And I think it does show the strength of the two parties. Um, And it also shows the fact that, you know, unlike earlier on in uh, 2019 Um, I'm sort of getting my years model up here but obviously the two-party system really struggling in 2019 now here we are in 2021 where yes the two leaders aren't incredibly popular but they're a lot more popular than Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn were back when they were leading the two main parties and um, and I think that that demonstrates uh, that's one of the reasons why we've seen this move back to back to a two-party system.
2: Yeah. And then, I mean, from your perspective, given the obviously very weird times we're in at the moment, when we're looking at polls, when we're looking at these, for example, the Labour lead that you found opening up, how differently do we have to look at them compared to before the pandemic? Is there anything we need to factor in uh, based on the very abnormal situation we're in?
1: There's a certain amount where actually the fact that Labour's managed to pull a lead uh, when the pandemic's going on is kind of even more impressive. Um, when you look around a lot of the rest of the world, what you've seen is actually got the popularity of governments increasing, whether that's in Australia or New Zealand or uh, France or Germany to a certain extent. yeah, you know, the, the popularity of the, the, the government and the leader of the, the current government has gone up and opposition parties have often struggled to be part of the debate. Yeah. We've seen that to a certain extent here in the UK as well with the sort of first minister in scotland becoming incredibly popular also the first minister in wales yep. sort of having fairly good numbers so that, that, that that's quite successful and i think that that shows that actually the conservatives had had quite a bad run of it and that's one of the that's reasons they've fallen behind in the polls
3: bloomberg westminster listen weekdays at noon on dab digital radio in london
4: hi everyone i'm paul nacre and i'm skip bronson